Welcome to Around the Table, a new source for Christ-centered teaching and conversations from an apostolic Christian perspective. Men and women are equal, but distinct from one another. And this is a topic the world is very confused about, but sometimes Christians are too. In part one of this two-part series on gender roles and distinction, we learn why submission, a term the world hates, is actually a glorious thing. This presentation is by Elder Brother Frank Sauter and was originally presented to the Roanoke Church. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. Genesis 1, 27. At its core, this verse communicates that God created men and women as equals but distinct from one another. In the past, most of us have lived in a culture that embraced or at least understood the biblical concept of gender, male and female. However, we are now living in a culture that is changing rapidly in its view of gender, and we find ourselves not only out of sync with our culture, but even with many Christians. Before I go into our topic of God's design in gender distinction, I want to lay down three foundational concepts that are important before we proceed further. Number one, the Bible is the final authority. We all agree on this, but we also know there are multiple ways of interpreting Scripture, hence the existence of denominations and independent churches. And in the last few years, because of differences in interpreting Scripture in the area of gender, there have been splits in churches and people who have moved from one church to another. We need to submit our will to His Word, not letting our own thoughts and opinions bring about an interpretation of Scripture, but letting Scripture change us. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's about Christ, not us. Number two, we are all image bearers. This is an overarching principle in Scripture. God created us in his image. Therefore, all of humanity is sacred. We can read in James 3, verses 8 through 10. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude, in other words, likeness, image, 
of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Humanity is unique because God breathed breath into man, as we read in Genesis 2. Because of this, man is both a material body and an immaterial soul and spirit. But due to original sin, we have marred his image. But even though we carry a marred image, we are still the image of God. When God redeems an individual, he begins to restore that original image by transformation. When we are transformed by Jesus Christ, our hate and bitterness toward individuals is to die. And we are to have a love for all of mankind. As humans, we struggle with relationships. We have struggles in our family units. We have struggles in work environments. We struggle with people who are of a different political persuasion than us. We struggle, or we can struggle with Muslims or the LGBT community. But God has called us to love. We are to show the love of Christ to all of humanity because he made us in his image. And humanity is sacred. The third point is the male and female distinction is not rooted in the marriage relationship. Another human does not make us complete. We are complete in Christ alone. Questions that every man and woman need to ask of themselves. What does it mean to be a woman and not a man? What does it mean to be a man and not a woman? What is my masculine or feminine personhood aside from my anatomy and physiology? These are important questions to ask. In today's talk, we will look at three different topics that come under this gender distinction. Topic number one, men 
and women are equal but distinct. The equality of man and woman before God is clearly stated in Scripture in multiple ways. I will read just a few verses. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. From 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Romans 2.11 For there is no respect of persons with God. James 2.8 and 9 If you fulfill the royal law according to Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, ye commit sin. In Galatians 3, 26 to 28. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Man and woman. Equal before God. Scripture clearly lays that out. But Scripture also shows that men and women are distinct. This distinction is not in opposition or contradictory to we being equal before God. There's many Scriptures that talk about this distinction between men and women. I'll read just a few. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. 1 Corinthians 11.3 But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Ephesians 5, 22 to 25. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Our struggle. Because scripture uses terms such as submission and headship to illustrate the difference between genders, we struggle. And the reason why we struggle with those terms is because we have let the world Define what those terms mean rather than God's word. So we're going to look at how the world defines it and then how scripture defines it. The world's view 
of submission and headship. The world has tied the words submission and headship with terms like domineering, oppression, control, which are also tied to such terms as racist and bigot. Why has the world linked these terms together? And there is a reason why. Because unfortunately, within far too many families and far too many work environments, men and those in authority have used the terms submit and head to justify a domineering attitude. I'm in, I'm the head. I'm in charge. And you will submit. And at times, even carrying it to the extreme of abuse. But worse than this, worse than what the world has done, is that within the global church, there have been individuals who have used their position of authority to justify a domineering and oppressive attitude and called it biblical. This attitude is not biblical. It is sin. To be domineering, oppressive, controlling, does not reflect the life of Jesus Christ who has called us to imitate him. This is not loving your neighbor. Because of this, the feminist movement was born. It was an effort on their part to correct abuses because those in authority we're not dealing with the abuse. However, they turned to human answers. Their purpose became gender equality. Now, that's not a bad thing. We talked about that. Men and women are equal before God. Their purpose became gender equality by eliminating gender differences. This approach has led to a culture which has eliminated the God-given difference between men and women. It has led to gender confusion, while at the same time, it has not solved the abuse problem. It's rampant in our society. Because we have let our culture define words submission and head, we find ourselves shying away from these biblical terms because it's out of sync with our culture. So what is the biblical view of headship? In submission. 
As we said, submission is viewed negatively in our culture. But it is truly a beautiful and glorious word when it is viewed in the relationship between God the Father and God the Son. Because the word submission is at the very core of Christianity, we can't really use another word in place of it. But as believers, we have to rescue the word submission from the trenches that the world has put it in. In God's word, we see an example of this. Paul, when he was at Athens, he saw the altars to all these gods. In the Athenian culture, they had a very different view of who God was. It was an incorrect view. But what did Paul do? He talked to the people and said, I saw among all these altars an altar to an unknown God. And I'm going to declare unto you who this God is. So he took this word of God, which was so misunderstood, and elevated it in the culture to a new level, to a different understanding. And that is what we have to do with the word submission. If it were not for Christ's submission to the cross, we would not know salvation. Now listen carefully of this interaction of the word submission between God the Father and God the Son. The cross was not something the Father hid from the Son. As we can read in First Peter, it was foreordained before the foundation of the world. God the Father and God the Son were unified in this plan of salvation. Although Christ was equal with God, we read this in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Christ was equal with God. He humbled himself and became obedient. In other words, submitted unto death, even the death of the cross. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are to bear the image of Christ. In Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This image of Christ, his submission, is to be lived out in all of our lives, on multiple levels. First is our personal level, our relationship with God. James 4, 7, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. When Jesus calls us to follow him, we die to ourselves. We're transformed. We submit. We yield our body to him. We submit not because he forces us, 
we yield because of his sacrificial love that he has shown us. He loved us before we loved him. So we have our personal relationship. And then we have a relationship within the body. Ephesians 5, 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. When we as a body yield one to another, it amplifies Christ as the head. But when we as a body engage in conflict with each other, the focus is on individuals and not our head, Christ. And then we have the husband and wife relationship. We just read Ephesians 5.21, submission within the body. 5.22 says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Our current culture has cast the view of submission within marriage as being inferior and second class. But if we go just back one verse to Ephesians 5.21, we suddenly understand the beauty of submission within the body. But if we go back even further and we understand our relationship with Christ, we see even more the beauty of submission. But when we take it back to its very core, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, submission is a glorious term. Husbands, we are not Christ. Therefore, we don't have all rights and authority over our wife. As husbands and wives, we are to reflect oneness like God the Father and God the Son. And oneness, like Jesus Christ and his bride, the church, the husband and wife, they are equal, they are one, but yet they are distinct. When a husband and wife know each other's hearts and minds and are united in a common goal, Submission is beautiful because it reflects that of the Father and the Son. So husbands, and basically all of humanity in leadership positions, should not, one, force submission because God did not force Jesus to submit to his plan. Two, we should not demand to be served because God did not demand Jesus to serve him. And those in leadership should never presume Superiority. Any human leader 
must remember we're a part of the body, and especially as followers of Jesus Christ. We're the part of the body. It is Christ who is the head. As leaders, we are to create an environment that mobilizes and strengthens others. No human leader is infallible, nor is any man superior to those he leads in any respect. In fact, those he leads often have better ideas than his own. It's how the body works. It's how we work as a family unit. There's things I don't know and understand that my wife and children know. There are things that I don't know and understand that my fellow ministers and you as a congregation know. And we work as a body. No one is superior. It is Christ alone. So the conclusion on this part of the talk, men and women are equal before God. Men and women are distinct from one another. These two concepts are not contradictory, but complementary. Submission and headship are terms that the world has associated with oppression, control, and dominance. But when looked in light of the father and son's relationship, it is a glorious term. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check back in a couple weeks for part two. Around the Table is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church of America.